This is Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour three of Sportsnet Today. Peter Klein, Aaron Vickers with you. Uh, we get a produced thing and everything now. I know it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't even. And I, I do I didn't need even to know. That the first time around. I'm sure it's just done in alphabetical order. Yeah. By first name. Mm-hmm. Not order of importance to the show. I think it's in order of importance to the show. You're here a lot more than I am. Well, thank you, buddy. Yeah. By sheer volume, you right. win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Love yeah. it. By entirely quantity over quality. <laughs> Way into the text line at 960, 960. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Peter was... Klein is going to absolutely demolish me <laughs> in the fan boat. <laughs> which which one of us sucks less? Uh, let us know, 960-960. Uh, Sportsnet Today has now entered the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fix doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Uh, so the Calgary Flames are hoping that the door is open to a playoff push this season. Segway. Um and I, I think we have differing views on this. And by all means, let us know on the text line, 960-960. Um, I, I kind of caught myself when we were talking about it yesterday. Because a big thing that I have been kind of, I, I don't want to say selling, but a big thing that I've been kind of thinking about with this team over the, the last few months, since Craig Conroy has been brought in and since nothing has happened, um, my, my kind of thought was, you know what? Last year sucked. Everyone was miserable. No one outside of Tyler DeFoley played any good at all. Uh, obvious hyperbole there, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, in terms of like up to expectations, Tyler DeFoley was one of the only ones who who reached that, and then he got traded. Um, but still, uh, like everyone's miserable. Everything sucks. Just bad vibes. I feel like Conroy coming in, the single most positive human being on the planet. Jerome McGinn was back with the organization. They're retiring Mika Kiprasov's jersey. Ryan Huska's a new coach. Everyone loves Ryan Huska. It feels like, okay, it's going to be a better atmosphere, and that's going to lead to a a better product out on the ice, and thus this is going to be a Calgary Flames team that the fans can get behind and one that the the, the team deserves. And I was like, yeah, no, this is great. And I was bought in, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I still don't know what the ceiling for this team is. Even if everything goes perfectly uh, next season, I I still view this as a team, both short and long-term, that kind of the ceiling sits at, uh, third in the Pacific. Um, and, and that is, I think, if you get best case scenario from basically everybody. And so while, while I do think vibes will be better, maybe that'll convince a few people to stick around, it still feels like this team kind of peaks at mid for me. And that is a scary spot, and it's a spot that Flames fans, unfortunately, are all too familiar with, given the history of this team basically since 2004, uh, factoring in playoff history as well. So I... While, while I, I do think you can sell getting excited, and I do think you, you have every right to possibly get excited, I still think long-term that the, the ceiling isn't as high for this team as maybe you would like it to be at this point. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not realize this conversation was going to be about both short-term and long-term. We can just do short-term. That's fine. Because I will piggyback a lot of what you said about the long-term. Okay. There needs to be an influx of youth to the organization, which... Craig Conroy has pledged to do both this season coming up, and I imagine there's going to be plenty of opportunity, which we'll get to uh, in the next half hour or so about the the kids in the future. Yeah. 
But just in the short term, just for the 2023-24 season, I think their floor should be third in the Pacific and their upside is second. And the reason I say that is you ran through all the changes. We haven't seen, and again, this is my opinion on Thursday, August 31st with the guys that are still on the roster. No, you're locked into this even after they trade four guys. Now now suddenly Elias Lindholm is no longer a member of the Calgary Flames. Noah Hannafin is no longer a member of the Calgary Flames. Michael Backlund, Chris Tanev, Nikita Zadorov, so on and so forth. Then this does not stand. You cannot (laughs) hold me to this. No way, no how. I will backpedal through the wall behind me <laughs> and onto. Well, I won't go near the the C trains because that's just a. No, that's that guy not just good. ran across the tracks. You can go. You Fair enough. But I really think that their floor should be third in the Pacific, and the reason I say that is because everything went wrong last year, and they were still a ninety three point team. Like they right. couldn't have had more key guys other than Tyler Toffoli, and I guess to a lesser degree Michael Backlund, and we can argue about uh, Dylan Dubé and Blake Coleman in terms of their offensive production, but 75% of your roster had either the worst season of their careers or had a season that was well below what was expected of them dating back to having their worst season in three, four or five years. So the Calgary Flames had a 375 win percentage in one goal game. So that's 30th overall, yet still managed 93 points. So you crawl through and you scratch out a couple more points here or there. And then this is all what if and coulda, shoulda, woulda. And it's looking back to last season as much as it's looking forward to the season in front of us. They have 31 goal losses. Third third team in NHL history to have that many one goal losses. And that's with your starting goaltender having a sub 890 save percentage. And that's with your most impactful forward putting up 55 points after registering 115 the season prior. The biggest season over season drop on a full schedule, not including injury, I believe it was in NHL history. If not, it was top five. Mm-hmm. You start to get to a better place mentally as an individual player and as a team. And I do firmly believe in the conversations that I've had with Mackenzie Weger, Andrew Mangiapani, so on and so forth, that the doom and gloom, the dark cloud hanging over the Calgary Flames from a year ago, at least now has dissipated. Now it can come back very quickly in October if they start one and four. Yeah. But I firmly believe that Jacob Markstrom is going to get back to a nine, 10 and nine, 12, where he's been historically in his career. I do believe Jonathan Huberto will be a point per game player again, where he's historically been over the course of the five seasons prior. Even if you throw out the 115 point season, along with the 55 point season, because I do firmly believe if you're going to throw out the low, you've got to throw out the high as well. And you're that player somewhere in between. Andre Mangiapane had half as many goals year over year. Yeah. And we did learn that he was battling an injury all season long. He's back. He's healthy now. You just start lining up some of the things. Even, even Elias Lindholm, for, for his two-way prowess, still didn't produce to the level that I think he can, should, and will be expected to. So you start layering all these things about, oh, what gives you optimism about why they're going to bounce back? Well, I do think atmosphere plays a lot into it. I do believe a clean slate plays a lot into it. I just can't imagine guys hitting career lows year after year after year. Now, if that's the case, I'll wear it. Yeah. And it's probably more concerning for the team than it is me being wrong. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but no, no, no. I think how can equal you, concerns. <laughs> how can you have historic bottoms year after year? Without a bounce back, I, I firmly believe that the Calgary Flames will find a way 
to be a Pacific Division team. That's the floor for me. And the, I mean, I don't think the ceiling's much higher, but the ceiling for me would be finding a way to get home ice in the first round. So a couple of things, because you've said um, get, getting home ice in a, a top two team. I am curious. I, I haven't asked before because I wanted to, you know, don't waste it in the green room sort of a thing. Who, who are they bumping out of that top two? Is it Edmonton or, or Vegas? Because I look at both of those teams and feel more comfortable with both of them than I do with Calgary, even if things go better here in Calgary this year. Well, just to wind it back, Vegas finished first, Edmonton second. Let's not forget Los Angeles, who I think right. to a degree is going to be improved. Yeah, I was going uh, to get there. Okay. <laughs> sorry sorry for jumping no, no, on no, no, you. No, 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 no. That's fine. I could see a scenario where it's either of them to be perfectly honest with you okay and that's very rose colored those glasses that i'm currently wearing yeah. allegedly even though they're actually kind of like orange rimmed there's no yeah. color no tint to them in, at all. in between yeah thank you very much yeah. um i just think the expectation for the flame i you look at what the calgary flames have been able to do and it's almost like uh you're on you're off you're on you're off you're on it's a cycle it's a roller coaster up down up down well right. in theory this should be an up year do I think the Calgary Flames beat the Edmonton Oilers in the seven-game series? I wouldn't declare that, but I can see a scenario where they finish higher than them in the playoffs. Okay. And I, I think, given how we saw the Stanley Cup celebration win, I think you could sell a Stanley Cup hangover on Vegas relatively easily. I mean, I've, <laughs> literal and I've been sold a lot of Vegas hangovers in my day, <laughs> so I can easily see that. But again, at the same time... It's just a, it's such a good roster. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do appreciate what you said with, with the, the Kings. They go out and make... What, what has turned into one of the splashes of the offseason, going out and, and acquiring Pierre-Luc Dubois. I like a, a lot of the, the young pieces that they have hanging around on this team. Um, Goaltending eh, concerns me a little bit, but I, I do think that this is an LA Kings team that, that has the potential to take a step forward. And it, it's one thing, it, it's been brought up on the, the text line at 960-960. Uh, oh, someone said it. Who's going to score the goals for this team this year? 34 goals walked out the door. And now... I get like there could be incremental gains from everybody, but that's still 34 is difficult to to, to make up given like I, I just think this team is going to have to work really hard to score goals this year. Oh, absolutely. And I think you almost Billy Bean it to a sense where, okay, how do you replace Jambi? Right. Well, Matt Coronado is Scott Hatterberg. Yeah. <laughs> you got Hattie over yeah. playing left D or something. I don't right. know. But You've got to expect Mangipani to score more than 17 goals this season. Sharon Govich coming in if he's put in the right spots and he's able to excel in those right spots. Historically, well, I shouldn't say historically. He's only played three seasons in the NHL. So saying historically is a bit <laughs> of a stretch. But he scored to a 25-goal pace in his first two seasons. Third season didn't go his way whatsoever. Kind of the weird season to slump in. Okay, rookie year, you're, you're getting your feet wet. Sophomore slump is a big thing. No, I think he had 24 or 26 that year. Last season was by all accounts, disappointing. But in talking to some people out of New Jersey, we've had him on the show, uh, Mike Morreale specifically, he believes that Sharon Govich is more the 25-goal pace guy than he is the 17, 16, 14-goal pace guy. Right. So I'm going to lean to the people that have seen him more than me. I'm not going to sit here and BS you that I know exactly what his game's about. I've seen him live three, four times, and to be perfectly honest, I don't know if he's the guy that I'm watching closely on a team that has Jack Hughes and Dougie Hamilton and so on and so forth. But if the belief is that he can get back to being a 25-goal guy, well, you're already 66% of the way there yeah. in, in replacing that. And the other thing, too, is maybe you just don't allow 252 goals. Maybe you have over 900 team collective save percentage, so the need to score goals diminishes as well. No, and that is very fair. And like you said, like it, it does feel like 
there was a lot of worse. And like I said, there have been a lot of worst case scenario last season. Um, and, and I do think there are going to be some improvements. I just, I don't think the ceiling for this team, even if things go better, matches that of Edmonton, matches that of um, of Vegas. Should it then, matter? Okay, let me let me cut you off there because I kay. don't disagree with you. You kind of put me on the spot for the ceiling of having home ice. So you had to pick Edmonton or <laughs> Vegas in that sense. Can you see a situation or scenario where they leapfrog Seattle and they best LA? I can see like th- that. That is there. I, I do also, and th- this gets into the, the bigger picture one. We don't necessarily have to get into that today, but that does get into the bigger picture of, oh boy, they squeaked into the playoffs again. Um, like I, I just, at some point, just getting in and getting bashed in the first round shouldn't be enough anymore. You, you do hope for some growth. Now, after last season, you would throw a parade for a five-game series in the first round. But um, I, I think that you can make a, a good case for passing Seattle just based on, like, it, while it felt like it was worst-case scenario here, felt like there was a lot of best-case scenario yes. out, out in Seattle well, um, and the one thing a season ago. The one thing that Seattle did overcome is goaltending that was on par with Calgary. Mm-hmm. They did find a way to win those one-goal games and and things of that sort, and they did have 289 goals out of that roster, which, to be perfectly honest, a lot of guys had career years offensively in Seattle, not so much in Calgary. So I wonder if there's a regression and a progression, which, uh, shout out to Pat Steinberg for teaching me the opposite of regression uh, not a couple weeks ago, so now I can say progression without sounding like an idiot. Probably shouldn't have detailed that out loud. That's another vote for Peter Klein on the text line at 960 <laughs> But I can certainly see a way where the Calgary Flames jump Seattle, and I really think that they'll give Los Angeles a run for that third spot in the Pacific. I I do wonder because I I think we're both in agreement. It's at least going to be better than it was last year. You know, like, well, I mean, it has uh, to be unless Markstrom's just cooked, right? Like, uh, but unless... then you have Dustin Wolf, maybe. <laughs> but then you have the guy who's played once in the NHL. Um, it is not necessarily where I would want to be basing all of my hope. But like that, that is a bigger part of it too. Is if if Markstrom is just that, whatever whatever happened last year is a permanent thing and not just a one year. What the heck was that? Then it, it becomes a, a bit more of a, a factor as well. I think part of it that is working in my favor, and I know we, we put the caveat on, well, if they trade a bunch of guys, then obviously this doesn't go well. But th- there is, even if this team has a, a 700 winning percentage by January and uh, Lindholm, Backlund, and Hannafin are still like, yeah, I'm still good, man. You're still probably moving them, right? Like, I, I don't know if the Flames wanted to risk it once again the the way that they did with uh, Gaudreau and Kachuk a, a couple of years ago. So I, I do think that is also kind of weighing in my mind a little bit for the, this group. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you Well, Craig Conroy said it well. He said they weren't going to go into the season with seven pending unrestricted free agents, and to his word, they're down to six now. So he's held true to that end of the bargain. I imagine he mm-hmm. pictured going in with three or four. <laughs> uh, not so much as it stands again. There's still a couple of weeks before training camp opens. And again, I'm a big proponent of don't make a deal for the sake of making a deal. If you're getting lowballed, if you're getting thrown anchors instead of life vests, you just step aside. Don't make the mistake. You don't pull the trigger just because you said back in May, April, somewhere in that time frame that you were not going to get into a Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk situation again. Yeah. Regardless of what their record is come January and February. I think you very much pull the trigger on deals provided that they are adequate returns. Yeah. 
Yeah, don't do Lindome for a seventh just because he hasn't signed yet. But that, that was going to be my next, my next question. Like, is there a threshold? Like, this team's 15 up on Edmonton for first. Everything has gone right. Oh. Jonathan Huberto scoring a backflip goal a game. Like, uh, everything is going well for, for this team. Um, they have already locked up the, the, the rookie of the year vote. It is going to be one of three Calgary Flames because it's gone so well. Um, like, is there a threshold where... You just kind of, ah, we'll let it ride and see what happens. Or do you absolutely have to come away from at least the trade deadline with either knowing those guys are going to stay around or they're somewhere else? It's a heck of a question because I think from an asset management point of view, I was just stalling for time. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. That's fair. (laughs) I think from an asset management point of view, you still have to move them. Like this isn't right now. I mean, the goal season in, season out should be to win the Stanley Cup. Right now, that is more reasonable and more ridiculous to steal a word from the text line that just came in about it's ridiculous to think the Flames are going to finish higher than Edmonton, Vegas, or Los Angeles. The goal should be to win the cup. But at the same time, that just doesn't happen overnight. And yes, there are miracle runs. And we saw Florida squeak in as the eighth seed and or the second wild card seed, I guess, would be more accurate and, and go to the Stanley Cup final. But you're trying to build something. Yeah long-term you're not trying to build for an outside shot at winning the cup now so from a pure asset management point of view i'm not sure i care how far ahead in the pacific or the western conference i am right i think i need to get the returns for those players so i can better set up the franchise for long-term sustained success as opposed to this again this up down roller coaster which based on the trend over the last four-ish years they should be going back up again. Right. Um, and, and we have seen them do, not to this extent, but we have seen them do something similar before the, that year where it was the, the find-away flames and uh, Kari Ramo was making 50 saves against the, the Chicago Blackhawks. And this team is just somehow going to be in first place. At the deadline, they traded Glenn Cross for, I think, a second and a third. Um, to Washington, yeah. Yeah, to watch, and that was it. Uh, so it, it's not like now, different general manager, but I'm pretty sure Conroy was here. Oh, yeah, he definitely was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he, he's at least seen that done. And so I, I think that is certainly within the realm of possibility. But I, I, I do think that there is, again, I, I think two things can be true. I think this year will be better. Things can grow. And this team can still miss, miss the playoffs. Um, because while maybe things don't go perfect in Seattle this year, maybe what Arizona has done pushes them over the top. Uh, admittedly, in the Pacific Division, ah, it's probably not going to happen because I don't think Vancouver, San Jose, or Anaheim are necessarily in, in that position, unless Thatcher Demko just gets plays out of his mind. Which he um, has shown he's been able to do over stretches yeah. when he's healthy. <laughs> and they've still lost. Um, but so, like, I, I guess Vancouver, maybe. And you look in the, the central um Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, like maybe Chicago rides the, the Connor Bedard wave to a, a playoff spot, but I, I can't Ooh, imagine that'd that. Be a, ha- that'd be tsunami. a big wave. That's yeah. a tsunami, not a wave. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Hall gets back to MVP form. Like, um, But we, we didn't, at this time last year, we weren't saying, oh, Seattle's definitely a lock for a, a wild card spot. You know, like weird things can happen, and maybe that weird thing is the Calgary Flames find that lightning one more time and ride it to the, the top of the Pacific Division. I, I just feel like ceiling-wise, that's asking a lot for a, a team that I do think is much more in the LA Seattle tier than in the Edmonton Vegas tier. Okay. So let me ask you this. Cause okay. I always like to equate this to things I can bet on because I'm a degenerate. Absolutely. You are speaking my language. Oh, perfect. <laughs> the flames had 93 points last season. Yeah. 
They had 31 goal losses. Again, as I said, third any third team in NHL history to, I don't know if you accomplished that feat, but that's certainly what they did. <laughs> 17 overtime and shootout losses. If I set the over-under on points at 99 and a half, what are you smashing? Under. I just said go the under. Yeah, I just said they're missing the playoffs, so I don't think they're going to be a hundred point team and then miss the playoffs. So knowing all that, knowing Markstrom had right. a historic career worst season, Jonathan Huberto fell off the map in terms of production, yeah, so on and so forth. You're going to almost go down the line. You still expect eh, maybe four points more coming out of that. I think just because other things get better doesn't mean like some of the things. And while we're saying we got worst case scenario, some things did go well. Uh, I'm not saying like. Just because, yeah, Markstrom maybe gets better. Maybe they don't make every mistake possible in, in one goal games. But maybe Backlund, Coleman, and Winger X isn't the best line in the NHL that keeps him in some of the games that they actually did end up winning. Maybe whatever. Like, th- there's a number of different things that maybe these things went well, but maybe this thing that we didn't realize they relied upon last season doesn't go necessarily as well. Like, maybe... Colbin gets hurt in the first couple of weeks of the season or like that there's a Manjapani-esque injury to someone else. So I just, I look at this team on paper and I do not see, well, I, I will grant you last year was bad. This year should be better in terms of how it feels. That doesn't always mean it's just a straight line trajectory up to a hundred points. So I, I would still take the under on that. I just, I look at this team on paper and it does not scream hundred points to me. So their growth will be incremental. It'll be measured in inches, not feet or miles. Yes. Or millimeters, not centimeters, <laughs> right. not... Yeah, not meters. Kilometers. Yeah, there we go. Uh, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. We have a bunch of t- uh, good texts here on the text line at 960-960. We're going to get to them on the other side. I think a big part of this conversation that we, we have yet to talk about is the contributions from the players that we were so desperately looking to get into the lineup a season ago. What do we expect from the young players of the Calgary Flames as they look to push this team into a playoff spot? Uh, we will discuss that and a whole lot more as we continue on the Sports Drive here on Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Man, I was going to guess what song this was, but I could be wrong. And Petey Pablo? Is it Sierra? Oh. Is it one, two step? No, it's not. No. Anyway, welcome back. Uh, this is Sportsnet Today. I'm Peter. He's Aaron. Uh, Klein and Vickers, if, if you know. Yeah, you got to gotta give my full name. I'm sorry. It's not on billboards or anything. Just say <laughs> Vickers. <laughs> yeah. Vickers. Uh, we come to you for the sports drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fix doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. I did the forced doors transition in the last one. Should have saved it for this because the door is also open to a number of young Calgary Flames uh, coming into the, uh, the the lineup this year. So I should have saved it for here instead of just um, explaining it in the way that I did. Uh, we're going to get to the kids here in a little bit because I do think that one of the things that has been discussed that is actually 100% going to come true is there is going to be an infusion of youth into to this lineup this upcoming season. Basically, where where there was an old fellow, there is now a young fellow for the, the Calgary Flames uh, for this. Can you, can you not call them old fellows? Because I'm older than them. Old in terms of professional athlete. I wouldn't sign you to play for the Flames right now either. Well, that's just hurtful. <laughs> Sorry. I well, feel like that's the... more of a shot at my conditioning than my age you're, right you're, now. You're good in the room. 
Um, you, you bring a lot to the table, but I, I just, yeah, I think it's time to, to give the kids a chance. You Fair, know? Enough. Fair uh, enough. So the Flames will be doing that. But first, we want to give you a chance. A uh, few texts came in at 960-960. Someone asking, when did I come back? I, I've been here for a little bit, just on a fill-in basis. I am super far from being full-time. I just kind of pop in every now and then, make a couple wrestling references, and then I'm on my way. Speaking of wrestling references, Klein, a babyface, Vickers, the heel. I'm curious to know what I did to be the heel... Just no, generally speaking. Yeah. You're I'm not person. mean to you, am I? No, not at all. The exact opposite. I think I was just, I was majorly baby-faced uh, for a long time, being uh, made fun of in such ways on this radio station okay. for a long time, where, where you have always been treated with nothing but the utmost respect uh, and, and class that this uh, fine organization can provide. So I, I feel like just because I was so downtrodden and uh, had to try to go give away a gift card, for gas to people coming off of the C train at 8.30 in the morning one time, uh, that people feel sorry for me. So I, I am the the ultimate babyface uh, figure. How successful was that venture? Horribly unsuccessful. What? Comically unsuccessful. Uh, but yeah, no, real bad. Also, I'm not really just the walk up and talk to people type. Anyway, uh, there's uh, a few other texts about what we were actually talking about in the last segment. Someone bringing up who's going to score goals for the Flames this season. We traded our top goal scorer. Um, and uh, I believe that the, the, the response, because I mean, you're the one more making the point. I think they're going to be terrible. So uh, Okay, well, <laughs> but, I'm kidding. But, I'll, I'll make um, the point then, because yeah. I think regardless if Toffoli is here or in New Jersey, I don't know if I'm necessarily penciling in 34 goals and 70 points. So, yes, that production does need to be replaced. But I don't think even Tyler Toffoli replaces the Tyler Toffoli production from a year ago. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to preface it as this was not last season. This is two seasons ago. Yeah. So we are now three, well, 720-ish days removed from whatever. That's bad math. Not quite that much, but you get the point. Sharon Govich outscored Toffoli in 2021-22. He had 24 goals, 46 points in 76 games. Toffoli had him on the point total with 49, but he only scored 20 in 74. No doubting Toffoli had an incredible year last year. Yeah. But it was far and away a career year. Yes. Yeah, so probably. one of the one of the lone bright spots on the Calgary Flames last season was Tyler Toffoli. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be sitting here and he's on the roster today, going, "Oh yeah, set and forget." Thirty four <laughs> goals, seventy points. Tyler right. Toffoli, let's go. Yeah, lock that in. Um, I think that the argument more would be Sharon Govich is going to add, we'll say twenty, just for yeah, for argument good round sake. number. Yeah, uh, it makes the math easier. And Manjapani is going to add an extra five to 10 goals from his 17 from last year. And Dubé will get more. And maybe Huberto will shoot the puck ever. And he'll get well, a couple more. Even if he know? just assists on some. Right. You're in the plus. Yeah. So. And then, yeah, Kadri gets a couple more. It's kind of the, the like death by a thousand cuts in, in terms of. But the good way. One. Right. Yeah, exactly. Life by a thousand stitches. Sure. Uh, <laughs> another one lost a top school goal scorer out of nothing. We'll be forced to sell all UFAs at the deadline. Excited about the young guys, but not much else. And that's probably a good place to caveat. This is if the Flames went. My my stance, stance my statements are they run the whole season with the roster they have. Again, if, if and when they sell off three, four, five pieces. No, I don't think the Calgary Flames are going to finish third in the Pacific Division. No, do I think that they are going to slide into a home ice advantage position. We're talking about wildcard at best. The one thing I do want to reference is Nashville seemed to sell off everybody at the deadline last year and then really put the push on both yeah. Calgary and Winnipeg before Winnipeg decided to just pull it together last minute and claim that last wildcard spot. But again, all that earned them was a five-game 
quick exit to the eventual Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Uh, another boost, I think, for this team um, will be a potential return for Oliver Shillington. I think that'll help uh, out a lot of things as well. But um, the, the texter said that uh, excited for the, the kids and nothing else. Uh, so there are a lot of kids, I think, to get excited about. Um, we, we've talked enough about Sharon Govich. I would still kind of factor him into a, a, a at least kid adjacent role um, with this team. But the, the kids we were talking about, I think Coronado, um, Pelche, I would still consider Ruzichka one as well. Okay. And uh, a Walker Dewar. Um, a, I, I do Walker Dewar based on experience, not by age. Right. But he's going to be an influx of a fresh face into the yes. everyday lineup. Yeah. Um, and some some real energy like he, he provided last year. Uh, I guess, A, aside from the, those that I listed off. So again, uh, Coronado, Pelche, Ruzichka, Dewar. Is there uh, another one that you think maybe breaks that or or do you think that that's kind of the group that we see in terms of the the young fresh faces that'll be rocking the flaming sea night one well i guess the only other one that would come to mind for me and it depends on situation it depends on roster if moves are made but i can see a scenario not maybe immediately talking early october but uh you know mid-november mid-december somewhere along the lines where suddenly there's a roster spot open via trade or via transaction that frees up Dustin Wolf to be a full-time member of the Calgary Flames. And I'm not mm. saying he's going to play 40 games or anything of that sense, but I do think that there's a situation where we see him, you know, start 10, dress in 12. I don't necessarily think he'll be brought up to backup. And you know what? We're going to haul you out of the American Hockey League so you can just sit there. Right. But I do think there's a sense, and I don't know if that's enough of a, an impact scenario for the conversation we're going to have, but I figured I would reference it considering he's the top prospect in the organization and he's the most buzzwordy name you can toss yeah. out when it comes to Calgary Flames prospects. No, that that's a good one. And I, I totally forgot to, to list that off, but I, I think, and quite frankly, I'm surprised that scenario at, isn't more obvious coming into to, uh, at anyway, coming into today, uh, whether that's still the case for, for training camp. I, I would have bet a, a large amount of your money that Dan Vladar would have been <laughs> dealt at some point. Joke's on uh, you thinking I have a large amount of money, <laughs> first and foremost. Right, okay, so well, a large percentage of whatever you have, um, that Dan Vladar w- would have been moved for something, and that the path would be clear for, for Dustin Wolf because while like sitting around and being a backup probably isn't the best thing, I think we've all established he's kind of beat the American Hockey League level. Right, right he's like wrapped he's, that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much more he is gaining in, in terms of experience by going down there and still being awesome at the American Hockey League. So even if he's sitting for a few nights at a time, I think just being up with the NHL team, seeing how, being with NHL goaltending coaches, uh, being around Jacob Markstrom, like that sort of thing would be beneficial to, to his next step. So I mentally had kind of penciled him in as night one Maybe not necessarily like 1A, 1B, but not as far off as just like a straight, th- this isn't Mika Kiprasov, Jamie McLennan, or or anything like that, right? Let me ask you this scenario, because I've asked it to Jordan Sigalet, I've asked it to Dustin Wolf himself, I've asked it to Pat Steinberg, I'll ask it to anybody that'll listen to yeah. me. Where are you on the whole airdropping Dustin Wolf in for spot starts? I want to put a caveat on this. Because Wes Gilbertson brought up a good point. Flames Talk family member, Wes Gilbertson, yes, I did say you brought up a good point. <laughs> we need to examine where the Wrangler schedule is versus the Flames schedule and how many actual opportunities there are that they're in the same city in, in any given week so that calling up and sending back Dustin Wolf is as simple as, 
moving his bag from Windsport to the Saddle Dome because right. typically AHL games, a lot of them are played on weekends. Well, the Saddle Dome is only available on the weekends if the Flames are gone. Yeah. So you do have to actually analyze what is feasible from a schedule standpoint where you can bring him up and then send him right back down without you know, having him to get on a plane and fly from California up or wherever the Wranglers happen to be. But how do you feel about the spot start option where you call him up, he plays a game, you send him down, he plays three or four games with Wranglers, and then something else aligns, you call him back up again, but you're literally just calling him up to get NHL games experience while he's still playing AHL games. I, I think I would rather him be one or the other. Um, and maybe that's just a traditional and boring of me, but um, I, I would much rather him just be around the NHL team, be a, like actually be a part of the NHL team. And uh, like I said, get, get that NHL goaltending coaching, get the, the experience with Markstrom, get to know the boys a little bit, get to be around. Even if you're just sitting on the bench for a few games, seeing that NHL speed on a, a consistent basis, get, getting those sorts of things. I would much rather him do that and the, the Flames figure out what they're doing with the, the Wranglers in, in other ways. Old school hockey guys hate this one goalie trick. That's all <laughs> I could think of with your response. My apologies, but I had to jot it down and then I had to say it. Yeah. I do think there's some value in him getting NHL practices in. It's not full game speed, but you're yeah. dealing with faster players, heavier shots, uh, more traffic on certain drills, so on and so forth. But I do think that AHL games trump NHL practice. I do think that. And I, I think that if you call him up, you are doing so with the understanding that like Markstrom's not playing 60 games next year. Like have it be a like 55, 45 percentage wise in terms of like the, the split, have it be, have him be a bit more active than Dan Vladar was um, last season for, for the flames. Like have it be close to a, a dead split, but have it be like, Markstrom has more of it because he is the, the more experienced guy, but Wolf gets a, enough games in that it's not detrimental to, to any progression he may may have. So break that down from where you go. 42 starts for Markstrom, 20 for Vladar, 20 for Wolf. Like it, that sort well, of three-way timeshare? In my scenario, Vladar has moved on elsewhere. Oh, okay. Uh, that, that, that is, that I, I understand I am putting an extra transaction in where there hasn't been and moving a, with all due respect to the amazing season that Dan Vladar had last year where he came out of nowhere and was a bright spot for the Flames. Um, I understand moving a backup goalie it isn't, like, teams are kind of, I don't want to say set, but... They teams, are until teams, they get an injury or somebody struggles. Teams have their, their plans kind of set at this point. I, I don't know how many teams, again, with all due respect, are saying, oh, man, I know we had this plan, but we can get Dan Vladar. Well, light that plan on fire. Um, but I, in my opinion, you clear that path, and it is just Vladar, or it, sorry, it is just Markstrom and, and Wolf for all 82 next year, and then have that be, what would that be then? I guess 40, 45, 37, or something along those lines have that split be, or, or 47-35, something along those lines for uh, Markstrom and Wolf next year. And now I'm starting to piece together why you think the Flames will only have one or two more points than last year, because <laughs> you're going to use this season as a development year for Wolf, Pelche, Coronado, et cetera, et cetera. Let me ask you this. Who plays higher in the lineup in Peter Klein's on PK's roster as he constructs it right now, the forward lines, who plays higher in the lineup for you? Is it Coronado or is it Pelche? And where do you have those guys slotted on August 31st? Man, that, that is that is a really interesting question. I would have Coronado slotted higher. 
Um, I, I think that there is maybe, at least from what I've seen, and you know prospects better than I do. Um, Thank it, you. It feels like uh, that's not much. I win. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a show. Um, but no, I, I feel like there's a touch more offensive upside um, in Coronado's game compared to what you might be looking at with a, a, a Jacob Pelche. Um, I, I think Pelche, again, I, I think he fit in in a, a number of different spots, but uh, I could see Pelche more in a bottom six type of a role where I, I think you could start the year with Coronado getting an opportunity up in the uh, the, the top six to, to try to maximize some of the, the offensive moments that, that he could have on the team this year. So who would you ideally play him with, Matt Coronado? Let's start there. I think I, I'm of the same opinion that I think your fourth line can be constructed of a youthful energy line that still can provide some pop. So I'm going to look at a trio of being Peltier, Rizichka, Dewar, something yeah. along that combination. They go crash, bang, boom, and provide a lot of energy for your team. Absolutely. Yeah. So who are you insulating Matt Coronado with? I... You could make a case for putting Coronado like top line. Let's go Coronado with Huberto and Lindholm um, and then spread the the rest of it out that way. But I think that spot probably uh, maybe fits a bit more for a, a, a Sharon Govich if you wanted to, again, maximize the potential of someone who, as you said, outscored Tyler DeFoley uh, just uh, two, two seasons ago. ago. So probably what it would be for me would be Coronado with Kadri and Manjapani. To, to to start off the season in, in a second line role. That's probably where I would put him. Again, I don't mind having, albeit after a 55 point season, but having elite playmaker with guy who has ridiculously good shot um, at center, who is, again, aside from last year, kind of a sure thing offensively, and then having uh, a kid beside them, whether that be Coronado or if you still consider Sharon Govich three years into his NHL career, that. Um, but I, I don't mind having maybe a bit more of a project on there to try to grow with, again, a couple of those veterans for however long they're with the team. Now, let me float this idea by you. Okay. And I'm curious your response, because... Every 23 and under player, you can probably even dial it back to 22 or 21 year old player that has been tied to Michael Backlund, mm. whether it be Matthew Kachuk, Andrew Mangiapane, so on and so forth, has blossomed. Yeah. Where would you be on going Coleman on left, who's a left shot, but typically plays right? Right. Lynn, or sorry, Backlund in the middle. And then have Coronado on that right side. So I like this and I don't like it for two reasons. I'll let you go first, however, okay. because I don't want to sway you one way or another. Don't want to leave with the witness my, alone. With my amazing argument both for <laughs> and against this exact scenario. I don't want to blow your mind with how great I can argue both sides of this point. Um, that is interesting. And that is certainly something. And that's why of the, the potential UFAs, I would be honestly the most wary about trading backwind because he was just kind of the, the get right spot for, for everyone. Um, man, Japani off to a bit of a slower start, put him with them. Uh, one of the best lines in the league, Jonathan Huberto off to a bit of a slower start, put him with backwind for a couple of games. He'll be fine. Like that was just the, the sure thing. Fixer. So yeah, exactly. So I, I don't mind that at all. Um, I would be interesting how you had the, the rest of the lines laid out. Um, a, because I can only see part of what you have written down because of monitors blocking it. Uh, but two, because like I have a, a Coronado in that spot, I wonder how you shook everything else out. Cause it does feel like there's someone who's kind of a, an odd person out unless you go with something that didn't necessarily work last see, year. See, I don't think so, but I'll run it through you real quick. Okay. Huberto Lindholm, Sharon Govich is one. Yeah. Dubé, Kadri, Mangiapane. 
uh, Coleman, Backlund, Coronado, Peltier, Rizichka, Dewar. The the one pushback I would have is that like it. I was so excited to see Manjapani, Dubé, and Kadri last year. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think they gave it enough of a shot. Correct. But what shot they did have, it didn't work. Well, um, keep in mind, Manjapani got hurt three games of the season too. Fair. So yeah, with that, his that shoulder, a, yeah, with his shoulder injury, he couldn't play his typical style. And I think we saw that a little bit through the year, like putting the pieces together and having the opportunity to talk to him on Monday. Yeah. Suddenly a lot of things sort of made sense more with what we saw out of his game. So I don't think he could play that same style that Kadri and Dubé necessarily did yeah. with the shoulder issues that he had. Now, having said That's that, fair. here's the other configuration I want to throw at you. Yeah. And a full disclosure, this is Pat Steinberg. Okay. And it makes a lot of sense. What if you went back to Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman? They're one of the best lines in hockey by nearly every advanced yeah. stat metric. In terms of possession, in terms of shot suppression, you know, Corsi for Fenwick, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So you bring that line back. You throw Coronado on right wing with Kadri and Dubé. Now, what that does is you still have your top line. You have an elite checking line by those metrics. Yeah. And maybe you free up Dubé, Kadri, Coronado away from top checking lines, away from top pairing defensemen. So while you're kind of playing Coronado up in the lineup at least at home anyways, you're able to give him easier matchups right. on a scoring line. Do not hate that at all. Um, and having Manjapani, Backlund, and Coleman is, uh, you, you will you will get very little pushback from me. Uh, that being said, I'm going to push back. Um, Manj- How dare you? Yeah, I, I do feel like when, when we look at, uh, again, the question of where are those extra goals coming from or where are any of the goals coming from this season, one of the answers I would keep coming back to is an Andrew Manjapani. And while Manjapani with Backlund and Coleman can be successful in the offensive zone, you just laid out what the, their their goal would be. I- elite checking shutdown line. That doesn't always then lead to, oh, and also scoring 35 goals. Um, and so I would kind of like to see Manjapani almost graduate away from there because I, I do feel like, like Backlund, Coleman, and Winger X, I kind of feel like those two guys are good enough. You can put almost anyone right. there. And that is still going to be elite level checking line that you can throw it against any line. And so if you honestly, if you had a better answer for the fourth line uh, than, than Pelche, I would love Pelche in that spot and, and move Manjapani up. But then you're putting one of Dupe Coronado or Sharon Govich on the fourth line. And right. I, I don't think any of them would, would necessarily work in that spot um, logistically even. So like, I, I would like to try to get Pelche there and I would like to get Manjapani away from that. And I, I, I would like to see Manjapani move up, get a chance to, to really contribute with the, that offensive upside that I think might be a bit higher than, than where Dubé's is. And so put Dubé down uh, okay. in that spot and, and he can still, still do what he does while also contributing to that, that checking line. This is going to tie into the kids a little bit. Cause the big question is where do the goals come from? Where do the goals come from? Yeah. Do you think that Pelche, Rizichka, and Dewar can outscore the Lewis, Lucic, Richie line from a year ago? The latter had 22 goals. And now, again, this is kind of easy math because Lucic was elevated in the lineup. And so some of his seven goals were scored when he was with Kadri on the second line. Right. But just from a pure nuts and bolts perspective, Lewis had nine, Lucic had seven, Richie had six. It's 22 goals unless my math is off. If it is, please don't text in at 960-960. They don't pay me to do math. They pay me to ramble on like I'm doing now. (laughs) So, shouldn't Peltier, Rizichka, and Dewar be good for 25 to 30? You would think, yeah. Yeah, I would feel... 
I would feel comfortable each. taking the over on 22. For yeah. sure. I, I would feel all right with that, yeah. So there you go. So now again, I, I, I don't know what the two-way play looks like, but from a production standpoint, you got to think that that trio outscores the veteran bottom line for the Calgary Flames next year. Yeah. There you go. I just found you eight more goals. Uh, all right. We are probably going to put a bow on it here because we could do this all day, but I mean, like, time constraints and things like that. So we're not we going to. We have a football to. draft to prepare uh, for. Yeah, we have a football draft to, to get ready for. I just told everyone what I was going to do. So I have to come up with a completely different strategy now. Uh, but a, a couple of texts. Uh, someone wants to see Zari. Uh, th- that was a name that wasn't brought up. He was given more responsibility with the, the Wranglers last yes. season. But I, I still feel like that would be one where you wouldn't mind being a bit too late than too early on calling him up, if that makes sense, right? One of those overdeveloped in the American Hockey League sorts of fo- uh, fellows. You know? uh, to a degree, yeah. I don't think you're going to necessarily stagnate him by having him down there another year. That said, last year's training camp, he was one of the biggest standouts. Right. So if he comes into camp again and lights it up kind of the way that he did a year ago, there's a chance that he can push his way up. And to be perfectly honest, Adam Rzyska still has to show some stuff. That's he fair. showed in spurts, but by by no means do I think that he's yeah. penned into that fourth line. And if you want to do a, for lack of a better term, a Wranglers transplant line as your fourth line with Peltier, Zari, and Walker Dewar, I, I can see that within the realm of possibility. If I'm calling up Zari, I think I'd want him higher in the lineup than fourth line. You know, that, that's, we'll that's this- one where I would rather him play in the American Hockey League than play eight minutes a night in the NHL. And this is, so this is a scenario where hypothetically say Lindholm's traded. I might want to hold on to Michael Backlund and elevate Connor Zari and have Backlund and Zari attached at the hip. Yeah. Backlund. And and they don't, and they don't necessarily, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean they have to play on the same line together because I think you want Zari down the middle. Right. But Michael Backlund would be such a good teacher for some of these young forwards, particularly centers about how to play the two way game, about how to, yeah handle all these situations. How to live life in the NHL. Michael yeah. Backlund's a guy that I want to squeeze every last bit of knowledge out of yeah. before he decides he's going to go chase a cup somewhere. Yeah, I would lo- like perfect world for the Flames. It would be, hey, we might be bad for a couple of years, but can you hang around and be the adult in the room? Because uh, that that would be uh, amazing if you could do that. But he would then say, <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, like you said, get every bit of knowledge you can out of him. Uh, we got to go. This has been Sportsnet Today from the DL Basement Systems downtown studio. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, we have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Tomorrow's Friday. We're going to keep up the Flames conversation, a bunch of stamps talk, and a whole lot more when we come back to you tomorrow right here on Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.